Hello, welcome to episode 2 of Baller Central, presented to you by Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics, you can find them at Twitter at OTHeroics1. A great place for sports news, great place if you're a fan to go check out news about your team, and every single league there is out there, they cover it. The forums, a great place for interaction, news, and just a great place to talk with other people about sports. So today on episode 2, we're going to have a few topics to cover. We're going to cover a sleeper team in the West that I think many are overlooking by a lot. We're going to look at the 538 projections for the playoffs that came out, percentages and win records. We're going to analyze those. And we're going to talk about what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder and that whole Chris Paul scenario. So join us and get ready for a great discussion. So with so many teams in the Western Conference now adding so many key pieces and the West seeming to be as strong as it is ever, there's a couple teams that are being overlooked. You could say the Spurs, the Trailblazers, maybe the Mavericks with Luka and Kristaps. But there's one team on my radar in the past week that all I've been hearing is bad stuff. They won't make the playoffs. And if they do make the playoffs, easy first round exit. That team and most of you probably won't be able to guess, the Golden State Warriors. So I think the thing is everyone overlooks them because they did lose KD, Cousins, Iggy, and Jordan Bell. But overall, with really no cap space or anything like that, the ability to somehow manage to get that sign and trade off, add D'Angelo Russell, then sign Cauley Stein on a really low deal with great value, Glenn Robinson, Alec Burks, and bringing in that great rookie Jordan Poole and still having a little money left over to re-sign Kavon Looney to your team to possibly be that starting center. Huge, huge moves by the Golden State front office to keep them relevant. So all I've been hearing is this team, 7 or 8 seed, might not even make the playoffs. But listen. Isn't this the same team with the core that went 73-9? and nine? Sure, Clay won't be there for the first part of the season. They expect him to come back all-star break in February, but let's say he comes back in March, a month before the playoffs. This team still has Steph Curry, one of the greatest point guards of all time, who has shown that he can lead a team to great heights and destinies in the regular season. D'Andre Russell, one of the best young stars who's ascending, who I think is going to fit in great because of his ability to spot up shoot, and even playmake for Steph as he runs off picks. You had all these key bench roles in Cauley Stein, Glenn Robinson, Alec Burks, who are going to add a lot of depth because many are suspecting that the loss of Andre Iguodala is going to be big. But let me tell you guys, Andre Iguodala, you guys eventually have to move on from him because age is getting there. We saw in the finals, he got hurt two or three times and it looked like he wasn't going to be able to even make it through the whole seven-game series if there was one. So I think it was a good idea to move on from him. Jordan Bell, I think, is going to be a big loss. But Katie and Cousins are two guys that I think that they knew they weren't going to rehold this offseason. Obviously, they didn't want to sign Cousins. They got Collie Stein instead, which is a great option. And Katie, I think they knew he was leaving. And I think they might have had that sign and trade with Russell from Brooklyn kind of set up. But this team, I could tell you that this team right now, they're going to be one of the best in the regular season in the West. I say easily they get a top four seed. They got a new stadium in San Francisco, so you know they're going to have to go out and play hard. 
DeAndre Russell, I think that he's going to be great for this team. A shooter fits well in the system because of his ability to dribble, go at it, ISO, spot up, kind of like KD was doing. And I think that this team, they're being so overlooked right now. I keep hearing from other analysts that, oh, you don't even have to worry about them. They won't make the playoffs. But there's a point where you have to realize that the same guys in the past 10 years have been in the NBA Finals. And Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, two of those guys, they're in that list of about five to six guys. So if these guys, when the playoffs come around and Clay is healthy, if they're really, if they really are the champions and they supposedly have what they call the heart of the champions in them, I think that they have a good chance, especially with the Clippers and Lakers first year trying to reassort everything. So the Golden State Warriors right now, they are a really sneaky sleeper team. I don't expect them to have a bad regular season or a bad playoff showcase at all. Obviously, they won't be as dominant without KD, but the way this team's going to flow with Russell and Steph out on the court, and then you're going to add Clay. I think that we have something special going on with that team, and I think that you're going to see something that you haven't seen since the 73-9 Warriors, a possible MVP season from Steph. He could go off now with the ball in his hands a lot. So it should be an interesting eye to watch, but I think it's a big mistake to overlook the Golden State Warriors, who currently actually have a 84% chance of making the playoffs according to projections from 538. So that's a really high number, even if even if you overlook them or not. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, let's look at the Western Conference 538 projections. 538, a great company that uses analytics to predict the chances of teams making the playoffs and making the finals and even winning the finals. And they provided us even this year a projected record. Some of these look interesting, but they've had success over the past few years. So let's take a look at it. With the one seed, they project that the Houston Rockets will have a 58-24 and record and that they have a 99% chance of making the playoffs. Now, I think that the one seed for the Rockets, it's a little bit too far because we still don't know how the Harden-Westbrook thing is going to mesh, if it's going to be good, bad, if it's going to be decent even. So I think that they're going to, I don't think they could get the one seed, but I think they for sure will be successful and get over 50 wins this year, and they, and they will make the playoffs. At the two seed, they have the Denver Nuggets. A projected record of 51 and 31, and an 89% chance of making the playoffs. Now, the Nuggets, they could take the two seed, but I think that the record is low because we have 58 wins with the Rockets at one, and there's a seven game drop off as the Nuggets have 51 wins. So I think the Nuggets will for sure get over 51 wins, but I, but I think someone in the West, the one or the two seed, will have at least 55 wins. So I can't see a two seed getting only 51 wins in the Western Conference. At three, they have the Los Angeles Lakers, also at 51 wins, an 87% chance of making the playoffs. So the chances of making the playoffs, they kind of go down, but I would say they're a little bit off just because I think we all know that the Lakers, they're going to make the playoffs no matter what happens. So an 87% chance, give or take, you can not bother to look at that. But I think that the Lakers... I think the 51 wins is a good projection. That's what the odds have them at, 51 and a half. So 
51 wins is good, but it's all about how many games is LeBron and AD going to play. We know AD, he hasn't ever had a season where he's fully healthy. We know LeBron, 17th uh, season in his career. He could take some load management rest possibly. So it's going to be interesting to look at. And number four, my sleeper team, the Golden State Warriors. At 50 wins, 84% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, I think this is fair for them, 50 wins. Right now the odds have them at 47.5, which I like the over for that. So 50 wins I think is fair, especially if we get Clay to come back for that team in the All-Star break in February. At 5, we have the Utah Jazz at 49 wins and an 83% chance of making the playoffs. I think these Utah teams, they could be possibly even better than the 49 wins because they seem to already have some kind of chemistry between Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, and I could see them playing well together. But given that the West is already so stacked, it might be hard for them to get over 50 wins, so I see how this projection was put together. At 6, we have a really interesting one. We have the LA Clippers at 48 wins and 78% chance of making the playoffs. This one, I think it's mostly based off of that Kawhi will for sure load manage at least 20 games this season, and Paul George might load manage a little as well. But I think even at that point, this team without Kawhi and just Paul George is still a really good team. So I think they for sure at least get 50 wins this season, and I see them as a top three seed, no doubt. At 7, we have the Dallas Mavericks. We're projected to get 44 wins and 55% chance of making the playoffs. So this is this is usually something we see in the Eastern Conference, but in the Western Conference, we usually don't see a 7 or an 8 seed have that low amount of wins. But 44 still isn't bad. I could see that for the Mavericks, but currently I think the problem is they didn't seem to get that extra guy to help Luka and Porzingis out. Porzingis coming off of a big injury. Luka's still young. Should be interesting if they could sneak their way into the playoffs this year. But right now, I'm not going to take a grudge at it. At 8, the New Orleans Pelicans. 43 wins, 50% chance of making the playoffs. In my opinion, there's no chance I see them making the playoffs this year. Lots of good pieces. Lots of good young players. Lonzo, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes. But I think the question is, when is it... When do you have too many young players? Because I just named you six young players who they have, and they're all really good, but how are they going to mesh together? How are they going to play together? Each has got to kind of find their role and how they're going to work out. So it's going to be interesting how that works out, but I don't see them making the playoffs in the Tough West this year. At nine, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves with 43 wins and a 48% chance of making the playoffs. This team, this team has a good roster, but... Every year, they kind of seem to maybe have some kind of potential, but they never get there. Carl Anthony Towns, he's always going to put up great numbers, but I think it's going to be Wiggins. If Wiggins can really step up this year and take them over, that's going to be key because Wiggins always looks like a, a great player who is meant to start in the league, but he never seems to really impact the team that big. At 10, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder, 41 wins, 36% chance of making the playoffs. So now, given the report that Chris Paul is going to stay with the team, I think that I think that they could get to 41 wins, but I still don't see them making the playoffs. And here at number 10, they, of course, aren't making the playoffs. So I think that's a fair projection. So the final two teams I'm going to go over in the West are really two teams where it's really interesting how 538 has these ranked. At number 11, we have the Portland Trailblazers. 41 wins, 37% chance of making the playoffs. 
you know, for a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year at number 11, and they only added players, Hassan Whiteside, Rodney Hood. This doesn't make sense to me. Nasir Little is going to be a great rookie for them. I think they make the playoffs for sure, maybe as a 7 or 8 seed. But Portland, I take, I see them winning more than 41 games, especially that every year in the regular season. They're on no one's radar, but they always seem to get the job done and get near 51s at least, and sometimes even over that. So I think this is a little odd, especially with Lillard and McCollum. They're usually great in the regular season. So somebody keep an eye out. And at 12, we have the San Antonio Spurs, you know, a great team led by Greg Popovich. I don't understand how you could have them at 12 because we know that the Spurs, they're always going to be in playoff contention. They didn't really lose anyone this year, but they did add Damari Carroll. That's a good add. So the Spurs at 37 wins and 20% chance of making the playoffs. Wow, 37 wins, that's really low. I don't see the Spurs going under 500, but sometimes you have to ask yourself the question. Looking at this list of the West, there's so much so much depth and there's so many teams out there that, of course, not, not all the teams could go over 500. So you got to pick and choose here and there, but I can't see the Spurs being four games under 500 this year, especially with Aldridge and DeMar still being able to play at all-star potential. So our next topic for today is kind of what's going on in Oklahoma City. So first, I think we have to, I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet, but of course, last week we know the Oklahoma City Thunder traded Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul, two first-round picks, and two pick swaps. It was a fine deal, especially now that the Thunder are really just loading up picks and trying their best to build for the future, I guess, because they know themselves. Oklahoma City, it's not a great location. Free agents aren't really going to come there unless you already have a superstar there, and now they don't. But so this is interesting because, as me personally, as a big Heat fan, the reports were that Russell Westbrook was, you know, on his way to Miami. He was going there. But then the Thunder GM said, no, we don't want Miami's young assets, I guess. The Heat weren't willing to give up that many young assets. So it kind of didn't mesh. And instead, they traded for Chris Paul. Now, this trade, when I first saw it, it was a little odd to me because when you're trying to rebuild, I don't know why you would try to take Chris Paul, in my opinion, one of the worst contracts in NBA history, and 34 years old, obviously not someone who's going to lead you anywhere with that team, maybe not even the playoffs. So it was kind of interesting to me. But then reports were that, oh, they're going to trade Chris Paul and uh, don't expect him to don't expect to ever see him in an Oklahoma City jersey. And I said, okay, fair. But here's the deal. When that report came out, I knew that nobody wanted Chris Paul, nobody. And that's what the reports are yesterday, that the Thunder have stopped trade talks for Chris Paul because literally there are no buyers that even want him or that the Thunder would even give anything. Supposedly, the Thunder could have gave a first pick or two, a first round pick or two to a team to take on Chris Paul's big contract so the Thunder can go focus on their rebuild, but no team would even do that. So now the Oklahoma City Thunder are likely stuck with Chris Paul for the next three years until he's 37 years old with the contract where he makes at least $42 million a year and that and he won't even put that team over the hump. So this is why the situation in Oklahoma City is a little odd to me because sure you trade Russell Westbrook to I guess one of his preferred destinations in Houston but now you're stuck with a 
with an old, bad contract player who could still play well, who could still start on a team that's contending. But when you're trying to rebuild and you're just trying to get all these picks, I don't understand that deal, especially for Russell Westbrook. You could have gotten something maybe even better somewhere else, some young assets, maybe even a couple more picks. So I think that the next steps for this Oklahoma City Thunder team is still try to trade Chris Paul, but still maybe maybe go and be competitive this year. This team doesn't look that bad. Still, they got Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shai Gilgis-Alexander could possibly play the two. He's a young asset that looks to be a possible star in the NBA one day. 6-6, point guard skills, could play the two, I guess. But that team, they lost a lot of depth because they traded away a lot of players. Jeremy Grant, they traded for a first-round pick. But here's the question to the Thunder. When is too many first-round picks too much? The Thunder in the next five or six years, they have a total of 15 first-round picks. And now they're not willing to give up one or two of those to make the Chris Paul trade happen. To move Chris Paul and his heavy contract from your team to another team, what's the difference if you have 13 or 14 picks after that's done? 13 or 14 picks is still a lot. Let's say 13 they would move to. 13 picks is still a lot in the next six years in the draft. But now you have that big contract off your team and you can really focus on your rebuild instead of keeping a guy like Chris Paul happy, which I'm sure he won't be because we know Chris Paul, he's competitive. When the Clippers weren't doing good, all those playoff exits, he has to get out of there. So we know that he probably won't be happy if the Thunder are losing games and not making the playoff. But also another key point to think about is from an from an aspect. You can see that the Rockets, they really won this trade. Obviously, no one wanted Chris Paul. The Rockets were trying to deal him. And look what the Rockets did. Sure, they gave away two picks, two pick swaps. But to them, I don't think it matters. They're here to contend. They're here to win now. So they got rid of Chris Paul off the contract. Somebody who we heard lately wasn't meshing well with James Harden. But they got him off the books. And they upgraded their, They upgraded him pretty much for a younger, more athletic guy. A guy who can't shoot as well in, in Russell Westbrook. But at least it's an upgrade, and I think they would much rather have Westbrook's contract, which is about $5 million less a year, still really expensive. But I think you'd rather have Russell Westbrook's contract at 30 years old to pair with Harden than with the Chris Paul. So from that look, you could really tell that, you know, that the Rockets, they really won this trade at the end. When the first trade came out, everyone was thinking, hmm, did the Rockets win this trade? Did they succeed or not? But I think that it's easy to tell now who won the trade, and that was the Houston Rockets. Yeah, so that pretty much sums it up for episode two here at Baller Central. Lots of good discussion over the projections for the West. You know, the Western Conference should be such an interesting conference this year. Lots of key matchups to watch for the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, all teams that all of a sudden rose up and are here to compete in the West, I guess you could say. But yeah, for episode three of Baller Central, stick around for us and we hopefully will get to talk about the Eastern Conference projections from 538 and possible moves in the Eastern Conference revolving the Wizards who are possibly trying to deal Bradley Beal and John Wall. So yeah, you could follow me at Pound the Book on Instagram at Twitter. Of course, my name is Philip Maravani. This is presented to you by Overtime Heroics and DM us questions that we can go over in this podcast, love to answer questions from our viewers. So, yep, thank you. 
Have a good day and come join us tomorrow for episode three of Baller Central.